Hi, the blanket's covering me. The streets are deserted. Ready to go. Subtitle is made possible in part by a major grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities, exploring the human endeavor. From Quiet Juice and the Linguistic Society of America, this is Subtitle, a podcast about languages and the people who speak them. I'm Patrick Cox. So, in the last episode, bilingual comedian Joanna Hausman talked about the lessons she's learning and the comedy she's still making during the pandemic. Today, another bilingual comedian with an entirely different pandemic experience. His comedy is changing before his eyes and ears, laced now with social activism. My name is Joe Wang. Joe Wang talked with me from his home. My Chinese name is Huang Xi. You know, Huang is my last name, the color yellow, and uh, Xi is just, just means West. The Xi is spelled X-I. People here are kind of used to that now because of Xi Jinping, but they weren't when Joe first came here in the 1990s to study. In the beginning, it's very hard for uh, Americans to pronounce X-I. You know, I got people calling me Z, Zai. Someone's like, "Uh, is this 11? (laughs) So I just ended up using an anglicized name. That was a name that we picked from a list of names given by our English teacher in college. And you chose Joe out of those names? Yeah, yeah, because I wanted to pick something easy, you know, and Tom and Tim were already taken up, so I only have Joe left. This actually reminds me of a story I did, I think I did an episode on it many years ago, about where I went to three different Chinese people to ask them to give me a Chinese name. And each of them gave me a a completely different name. It was a fun exercise because it kind of, you know, the shoe was on the other foot. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Actually, a lot of Americans and Europeans and probably Africans went to China and they got a Chinese name. You know, some of them sounded slightly like their original name, but others just has nothing to do with their previous names. Just whatever sounds pretty, you know. Under normal circumstances, Joe goes back and forth between the U.S. and China a lot. He's become a star in both countries. I've been doing stand-up comedy in both languages. Please welcome the very funny Joe Wong. When I first got my driver's license, I decided to be an organ donor. And I designated my brain. Because it makes me happy to think that some guy wakes up from a coma and goes... (laughs) <laughs> and here he is in China. But in China, Joe's actually best known these days for hosting a popular TV game show called Shijundama. Is it true? Joe has contestants guess whether certain internet rumors are true, like... Is it possible to defrost meat in one minute using room temperature water? Or can you report your location to the police using the numbers on telephone poles? Is the usual game show fair, blingy studio set and camera movements, mild humiliation for some contestants, and lots of jokes from Joe? Production for the next season of Visit True is on hold, 
need I say why? So instead of living an intercontinental, bilingually switch-hitting life, Joe's at home in Southern California with his family. He has a 13-year-old American-born son, and he's working on a few projects, on his jokes, and his cooking. I guess for me, you know, staying at home and spending a lot of time with my son is, uh, it's just hard to uh, cook for the kids, now I realized, you know, because he used to go to school and have lunch there, but now I have to cook lunch for him. And uh, the tough part about that is, uh, you know, kids are too honest. You know, they they eat something and he's like, oh, daddy, this this tastes like, the chicken tastes like tofu. I'm like, what do you mean? That is tofu. <laughs> he's, he's not happy with my cooking. <laughs> Joe's also doing some comedy, Instagram Live, YouTube, no live audience, of course. But frankly, the comedy often takes a backseat to other things on his mind. Here's a typical post on his YouTube channel. A doctor in Boston was attacked simply because she's Asian. What the hell is wrong with these people? Do you really want all the Asian doctors and nurses to go on strike at a time like this? The reality is Asians are only 5% of the U.S. population, which is a really tiny minority. And now we're the target. So everyone should really speak up and act up. Report fight back, and help each other. Thank you very much and stay safe. Thank you. How Joe Wong became a very different kind of comedian. That's after the break. So, like everyone, we at Subtitle have had to rip up our plans these past few weeks. We've reinvented the podcast. As part of that, we decided to continue putting out episodes every two weeks. The original plan was to take a season break, but we thought there's just too much to talk about. As we've heard also from listeners, thanks to everyone who sent us feedback and suggestions. It's been really helpful and encouraging. Please continue that. I'll repeat all our contact info at the end of the episode. And also, please rate and review us at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It really makes a difference in helping others find us. And before we go back to Joe Wong's story, I want to tell you about another podcast. It's called Clever Creature. In each episode, host Jason Gotts presents a story and a song inspired by one word. One random word. Like the word church. It's something of a creative high-wire act. And to help understand this process of creative risk, Jason speaks with a bunch of people who, well, they do this creative risk thing for a living. People like David Sedaris, Mary Louise Parker, and Gish Jen. I cannot wait to listen to the entire first season. The first episode is out now. Clever Creature. Give it a listen. Joe Wong got his start in comedy here in the Boston area. He'd moved here for a job with a pharmaceutical company after getting his PhD in biochemistry in Texas. At night, he was taking classes in stand-up comedy. He started showing up at a weekly stand-up contest at the Lizard Lounge in Cambridge, no more than a mile from where I'm talking to you. And he kept winning. He started being booked by bigger clubs. Then finally, TV came calling. The Ellen DeGeneres Show, Letterman, and then... Somewhat surprisingly, what turned out to be his biggest break, the radio and television correspondence dinner at a ballroom in Washington in 2010. The Beltway Press Corps was the audience, them and someone who's in the news a lot these days, Joe Biden. 
He was vice president at the time. Of course, it was back in the days when Joe Biden could be seen in public. And Joe... Good evening, everyone. The other Joe, he was an unknown to this audience. My name is Joe Wang. But to most people, I am known as... Who? <laughs> Which is actually my mother's maiden name. <laughs> And the answer to my credit card security question. Gentle immigrant humor, right? Then he turned it up a notch. I came to the United States in, when I was 24 uh, to study at Rice University in Texas. That wasn't a joke. <laughs> Until now. And uh, I was driving this used car with a lot of bumper stickers that are impossible to peel off. And one of them said, if you don't speak English, go home. <laughs> and uh, I didn't notice it for two years. You can't quite tell from this recording, but Joe was killing it. The audience, Biden especially, was with him all the way. And like many other immigrants, uh, we want our son to become the president of this country, and uh, we're trying to make him bilingual, you know, Chinese at home and uh, English in the public. And uh, he would say to me, hey, Dad, why do I have to learn two languages? I said, son, once you become the president of the United States, you're going to have to sign legislative bills in English and talk to debt collectors in Chinese. <laughs> there was an edginess about Joe back then, but it was polite. He could make the great and the good laugh at American racism by also poking fun at himself. But Joe's own personal memories of his early days in the US are darker than he let on in public, like something a professor told him about the Chinese writing system. When I was in college, I had a professor just say to me, or in front of all the other students, she was like, oh, no wonder China is so backwards because the Chinese characters are so hard to learn. You spend so much time learning the Chinese characters. <laughs> I'm like, what? This is not right. But then at the times, like, you know, for one thing, she's a professor. You know, we're supposed to respect her. We didn't say anything, but... Now, looking back, I'm like, a lot of things just not right about the statement. There was lots of that kind of stuff. And advice, too, about how to deal with it. I remember when my school first started, we had a foreign student advisor who told us the key of uh, living in America is to be slow to take offense. That's my old attitude, you know, be slow to take offense, you know, just let it slide. And uh, I didn't know what I mean, uh, meant at the time. And uh, later on, I gradually realized that, uh, you know, it's just a way to tell you not to speak up when you see something wrong. Not to speak up, laugh it off, stay in your ethnic immigrant lane. Joe was pretty good at doing that. But out on the comedy circuit... He was a racial target. And I have to deal with live audience, like, constantly. You know, racial slurs 
you know, dark jokes, you know, this and that, you know, just, just it's constant. After his appearance at the Correspondents' Dinner in Washington, the big comedy club and TV appearances grew more frequent, and Joe's career in China took off. At the same time, Joe was getting more and more frustrated with himself, with how he was responding to racist and anti-immigrant insults. Things came to a head just about two years ago, late spring, early summer, 2018. That was roughly the time when, you know, they started to put uh, immigrant kids in cages. I was just horrified. I couldn't believe this is happening in America. I used to tend to give America the benefit of doubt. But now I'm like, dude, you know, anything can happen in this country. So from that point on, I became a little bit more uh, polemic and just started to attack things that I don't feel right. A few months later, Joe made an appearance on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. My son was born and raised in America. I remember one day he came home from school. That was when he was about five years old. He said to me, hey, Dad, I learned American history today. I said, wow, that's great. He said, now I really feel bad for black people. I said, yeah, they're really mistreated in American history. He said, yeah, and I'm so glad that I'm white. My latest appearance on Colbert, you know, some of my friends were saying, hey, Joe, your comedy style changed. And, and that is true. But my son has a good point, though. Nobody in America, especially a person of color, is exactly the color they're assigned, you know? Like, this is not exactly yellow. It's kind of brown. A black person is not exactly black. They're kind of brown. So we're pretty much all different shades of Mexicans. (laughs) And now there's the pandemic, the finger pointing at China, the attacks on Asian people, and Joe is confronting it head on, in a book he's writing, on social media, and when he can do it during the lockdown, in his comedy. During all of it, he says, he's training himself to speak the language of anti-racism. Just like any other foreign language, you you just have to keep speaking it and use it and say it out loud. But the good news is it's it's not that hard. You know, as long as you you keep practicing it, you're good at it. The key thing is also to tell how you feel. You might end up with a totally different audience, I guess. I guess, yeah, because uh, some my old audience members went to my one-man show, and uh, I think the response from them wasn't as great as before, but uh, I think that's okay, you know, especially in a lot of suburbs. People are not comfortable when you mention about race. So, yeah, but that, that's okay, though. I asked Joe if there's anything from Chinese language or culture that's keeping him going right now. Yeah, he says, a Chinese term that's pretty well known over here. The Chinese word for crisis is weiji. The first character means danger. The second character means opportunity. So that just means in every crisis, there's danger and there's opportunity. So I know time is really tough, but... Maybe from this experience, you can look back on your life and find out exactly what you want to do next. Usually when you hear Westerners explaining this term, Wei Qi, they put 
a geopolitical spin on it. The implication being those canny Chinese leaders, they really know how to take advantage of a bad situation. But what's refreshing about Joe's interpretation is that it's personal, introspective. Maybe this is a good opportunity for you to start something new or try a new approach to your old task or your old career. That's one thing that's kind of uh, inspiring in the Chinese language. Joe Wong. You can find him in all the usual social media spots. I find the best way to keep up with him is to follow him on Twitter. He's at Joe Wong Comedy. We're on Twitter too. We're at LingoPod. Our website is subtitlepod.com. Our email is subtitlepod at gmail.com. Our sound designer is Tina Toby. Thanks also to our co-producers, the Linguistic Society of America, to the World Public Radio Program, the radio show that every weekday gives you a much-needed international perspective on the news. And an extra big thank you to everyone at the Hub and Spoke Radio Collective, of which Subtitle is a member. And I'm really excited about the return of one of the original Hub and Spoke podcasts. It's called Ministry of Ideas. In each episode, host Zachary Davis traces the intellectual underpinnings of our society, its values and beliefs. It's eye-opening or ear-opening. I recommend that you go back into the archive, but also take a listen to the latest episode. That one considers literary canons, what we're assigned to read at schools and colleges, and how the canon gets argued over, updated, and expanded. Ministry of Ideas. Thanks for listening to Subtitle. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Subtitle is made possible in part by a major grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities, exploring the human endeavor. Hub and Spoke. Audio Collective.